Hello and welcome to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I'm your host, Kat Burdett, wellbeing coach, eternal nomad, and self-love enthusiast. Come join me on a journey as I deep dive into what it really takes to achieve that happy, content state of being. The goal of this show is to bring you those feel-good vibes, expand your learning, and encourage your own personal growth so that you can discover what well-being means for you. I'll be exploring every and any genre, including health, mindset, spirituality, and much more. So get ready for a juicy, mind-opening, raw, and real experience when no topic is off-limits. I hope this helps you to feel good. Hello, hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I have such a fantastic, fun guest for you today. On the show today, I am joined by the multifaceted Asher Wright. He is the co-founder of Life Changing Wisdom Coaching, which is an enterprise dedicated to assisting immigrants and veterans in overcoming their identity crisis and embracing their unique stories. And Asher is also known for his work as an author with the acclaimed Demi Divine book series under his belt. Furthermore, Asher co-hosts the Pandora's Awareness podcast, where he continues to inspire and educate others through meaningful discussions. Today's conversation explores the challenges being an immigrant causes, including racism, identity crisis, language barriers, and having a lack of community, which were all things Asher faced after immigrating to America from Jamaica. Despite the serious topic, <laughs> this interview was extremely lighthearted and so much fun. You'll hear us giggling a lot throughout the whole episode. And in fact, we got on so well that we decided that Asher should interview me straight after for his show, The Pandora's Awareness Podcast. So without further ado, here is the lovely Asher and part one. Hello, Asher. It's my absolute pleasure to have you join me today. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, Kat. My pleasure. Yay. And I think you also might be the coolest looking person I've had on the show. <laughs> I wish the <laughs> listeners could see you in your hat. <laughs> Thank you so much. I get, I do get a lot of compliments with my hat and I, I find it part of my um my brand, though, I always think, is to wear a hat because I love a hat. You know, the fedora thing just works for me. So it's been something that I just kind of like rock, you know, play with. Yeah. Well, and, and the rest of your outfit. You're wearing a really nice suit. You know, man's got style here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got me blushing though. Oh, my God. Wow. Thank you for the compliment. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> so before we get going with our conversation, I want to share with everyone listening uh, today that for the first time ever, we are going to try something new and we're going to split this conversation into two parts. So in the first half, I will be interviewing the lovely Asher here inside this episode. And on the second half, he's going to be interviewing me. But in order to catch the second half, you'll need to head over to his podcast called Pandora's Awareness Podcast. So, yeah, something a little bit different today. <laughs> OK, like Asher, he likes it. We like it. <laughs> All right, let's kick this off. So I always start with this question. Uh, what does mm. well-being mean to you? Mm, well-being. You know, I think about it where 
like my subjective well-being. How do I really find a way to take care of my subjective well-being? And that is to focus on like my diet, my sleep, which is something that I'm really working hard at right now, which is sleep. And I'll tell you a story behind that because you know, for the last 10 years, I was in the United States Army for the last 10 years of my last decade of my, my time in the military. I was only averaging one, three to four hours of sleep because I was having a lot of issues, you know? And then once I left the military, retired from it, I'm finding that really, really a big issue for me right now, which is because it affects my memory. Because I'm like, man, I'm trying to remember certain things because I've suppressed so much of my emotion over the, over those years. Then it's starting to affect me now. So I can't recall some experiences because the emotion that it's tied to, I kind of hit it somewhere and I can't find it. So I can't go go re retract it or bring it up because I don't, I'm not connected to that emotion. So it's very, it's very challenging. But so I'm focusing on that piece of my subjective well-being right now as far as getting my sleep back into alignment so I can recall my memory better, if that makes any sense. Yeah, definitely. And do, does it have any other meaning for you other than like sleep and... Well-being. So, I mean, it's hmm, my well-being. How well am I being? I would have to tie this up. You know, I'm very philosophical, so you guys are going to probably either like or hate me. But, but like my well-being, like how I'm being. So I would tie it to like, am I being in my emotion enough to where I can actually experience life a certain way? Because I'm, I came from a background of doing, right? But now being is the next thing that I'm really working on. How do I be in myself, my emotion? How do I be me, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm working on as well. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean- How do people normally answer that question? I mean, I'm curious. How do people normally <laughs> answer that question? <laughs> Oh, you know, they usually say well-being is about, well, what you said, you know, the, the foundational parts really like getting enough sleep, eating well, exercising, basically feeling well in your being. Mm, mm. I concur. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can definitely be interpreted in so many ways. And I always get such a different answer from my guests. So it's very interesting. True, true, true. Yes. Okay, well, I'm curious to know, Asha. What made you want to become a wisdom coach? How did that journey look right at the start? And what questions have been driving you forward? Mm, a wisdom coach. So let me define what a wisdom coach is. So wisdom in my in my definition means application. And oftentimes what I notice with a lot of people, they they understand things, they know things, but they don't apply it. So I'm saying, okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a person that be there for somebody that that are hesitant about applying the thing they know that's going to change your life. And oftentimes you just need somebody by your side, like a guide by your side to kind of journey with you so you can apply the things that you know, but you're afraid to. Because oftentimes we're afraid what the experience is going to be like or how that thing going to make them feel. Because I think one of people's biggest fear, they fear, they fear their feelings, like, oh, something going to make them feel. And oftentimes when, they, when somebody is there with them, then they can actually take it on and both person experience the fear, not just them by themselves. So that's why I journey for me being a, a wisdom coach how do i help you apply the thing that you're that you want to do but you're just afraid to start it and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm there with you on that first part of it to start it and then further on that journey mm. yeah i can understand um yeah like you say it's it's we can have the knowledge but actually to implement that knowledge into your life and integrate it that's where it can be scary because you're making changes and you're doing things differently for the first time. And like you say, you're really embodying those emotions and feelings and it can be very overwhelming. 
It is. It is because you know. So it's all about taking somebody from a from a low productivity to a high productivity, a low performance to a high performance. Because oftentimes that's what we all need that improvement, right? That efficiency that we can get in our life. So when you have somebody to start with you, that thing that you were afraid to do, then you can go really really far because you have work. You have somebody to work with you along the way, and that's what I think is important. Because I came from the army, right? And the army is a doing organization. Like we we get stuff done. And when I, when I left the scene, I was like, man, I got to find a way to use the same skill set or the same capability and help other people. Like, let's get some stuff done. But oftentimes people are afraid to start. Mm, yeah. And also it's very masculine doing energy, like you say, um, the army. Yeah. Whereas even what we were talking about there just right at the beginning, just being, you know, and feeling is extremely feminine. And of course, mm. that in a sense, I guess, would have been quite conditioned out of you in the army right <laughs> oh my god so much so much so much so much here here is a if you don't mind me sharing this but i i came up with this two this two i call them like the two philosophies that i can operate i'm trying to navigate now i call it the philosophy in doing which is the phd and the philosophy in being which is a phd so how do we kind of embody those two philosophies and bring them together and actually you know enjoy life you know kind of tap into your world of well-being and I realized that I've done a lot of the, the philosophy in doing the PhD side, but the PhD side, I've been running from it because it takes a lot of reflection. So now I'm like, okay, I got to sit in this space and really like wrap my mind and my body around this, this being peace. Because in the end, like you're saying, I said, everybody wants to be lawyers and doctors, but let you be you and let me be me. And it's time for me to be me and not be what the army indoctrinate me to be, me to be and do it. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm focusing on me a lot. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's going to really give you, make you feel really empowered and also mm. bring you so much balance because, you know, we were talking about this on the show the other week with my other guest and we do, in, we do have masculine and feminine within us and that is the doing and the being. And it's about finding that balance. And when you can find that balance and, and heal both parts of you, then you are powerful. Like you're so powerful, you're unstoppable and you can yeah you can do anything you can talk to anyone you've got such self-confidence like yeah it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. i i 100 agree and it, here's something that i, I realized so that we, we we all gotta do we all gotta protect our confidence and by by any means necessary that's why something i'm working on so hard right now is like really tap into like what am i confident in i gotta protect that because when you're not confident like the world need to confident you and when you're not confident it feels like you're not really serving the world that well so i try, try my best every day to get up and protect my confidence to do whatever it takes to protect that piece because the world need a confident asher you need a confident cat and when we are both confident then it will make the world a better place if that if that make any sense to you oh yeah totally i mean you're talking to someone who used to be incredibly shy <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't talk to anyone like all my regular listeners know that and honestly like there are some times when I I still struggle a lot with confidence like even being totally transparent before coming on the podcast today mm -hmm. I was feeling a little bit underconfident but it always surpasses in the doing ironically <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah once you just go for something and you do it you do build your confidence up um it doesn't always happen like straight away. Um, but yeah, it's almost like, I don't know, getting in the swing of things or something. <laughs> no, that's, that is so true. Well, thank you for being so confident. Yeah. Showing up in your confidence. <laughs>
I, I would call it, I would call it, um, I, get, I got this word from this guy named Dan Sullivan. His term was cash confidence with his C-A-S-H confidence. But then I was thinking about it, I was like, no, we need the K-A-S-H confidence, which is cash confidence, knowledge, attitude, skills, and habit. Have the confidence in that area. Oh my God, life becomes a lot easier. So I would say protect your cash confidence. I'm just going to drop that on your audience a little bit because it's, it's a way for me to easily process things like, what am I focused on? I'm focused on cash confidence right now. Because in the end, I do want the CASH confidence as well in the long term. But we start with the cash confidence, KASH. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's really, really important and really, really helpful when you're trying to build your confidence, knowing what you're, mm -hmm. you're about. So with this with this uh, wisdom that you found, you tell me about what happened. Like you were in the army. What made you want to leave and what made you want to step more into this world and start feeling your emotions more and being <laughs> huh. it, it, i i was born and raised in jamaica i'm gonna give you a backstory i was born and raised in jamaica i immigrated to the united states back in 1998 and then when i got to the united states i actually got to connecticut where i'm at right now and i was looking around i was like what am i gonna do with my life i gotta figure out something else to do because i got here but i've always been a dreamer you know this idealistic part of me i've always been a dreamer i wanted to see the world i want to achieve different things and I got here, I was like, man, I want to see more than this. How do I do it? Because back home, I used to hear a lot of stories from, like, the farm workers. They used to go to, like, England. Um, they used to go to, like, America, Canada, so forth, do farm workers, come back and tell these awesome stories. So in, in my system, I was like, oh, my God, one day I get to go to America and I get to go see all this stuff and get an experience for myself, at least go experience some of this, this different season, even, like, to go see the snow and so forth and so on, because I grew up in Jamaica. And then when I got here, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I want to see more. So then four months later, I signed up for the Army. And eight months later, I was in training. And then I went off on that journey. And while I was in military, I did, I did 22 years before I retired from it. But I've always been like a very creative person. But in that system, you can create, but you got to create within that system. And sometimes the system restricts your creativity because everybody got to be able to, it's just, it has to be duplicatable. And if it's not duplicatable, it's not good for the army, right? Everybody got to do the same thing. And my 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 part of my journey was I'm always creative, so I need I need room to create. So I was always looking for the exit, but I wanted to finish that that journey because it had transformed my life in so many different ways, take me so many awesome places around the world, pushed me to my limits. You know, you know, it had me overcome some fear and even creating different ones. But it was was a very awesome journey. So now I always been a person that love philosophy and metaphysics and psychology. And I always like to listen to old people talk about their experience and their story. So wisdom is always something that I pursue. And once I started doing that, I'm like, I wanna be a, I wanna be a coach that coach people around wisdom, like making wisdom the cool thing, you know? And that's when I started that journey on that that process. I'm gonna stop right there. Yeah, that's okay. I mean you can share more if you want to. <laughs> yeah. But but, but yeah, so go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, it's okay. Carry on. What are you gonna say? No, no, I was saying, but, but once I figure out now that wisdom and the things I want to pursue, because I always find myself like, I'll, I'll give you a short story. So I've never been a reader because I had I suffered from what I call ADD and dyslexia. That was, I suffered from those symptoms growing up. So reading was not something that I really do a lot. But then at the age of 35, I realized the only book I read from cover to cover was the Bible. Then I so then I said, hey, I gotta change that. So we said at 36, I, I set on this challenge, this 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 hundred book a year, thousand books in ten year book challenge. So I can kind of kind of like shift that mindset around not being able to read. And once I started doing that, I realized that, oh my God, like like wisdom is something I really love because I'm I'm listening to these people that are sharing their story. 
and automatically I'm like, oh, I feel much more wiser. Like wisdom is my highest value because every time I seek out stuff, I seek out wisdom in it. And from there, I realized I just need to just focus on this thing and find people that connect to the same value so I can help them. Mm. Over to you. And going going back to just picking up on what you said earlier, you were saying that we we were talking about the fact that wisdom is only wisdom when it's actually integrated and implemented into your life. So have you been able to do that with everything that you've learned? Oh my God. Yes. Application. Like look, look, I told you about that book challenge, right? So that's that's something that's something I've applied. So I I started that book challenge and oh my God, it's been seven years now since I've been doing that. And I've finished over 700 books, right? And I set this other awesome goal is to write 86 books by my 86th birthday. I was never, I never been a writer. Like I, I write, but I never shared it because I didn't thought I could actually, you know, write with the right kind of grammar. So I learned that skill. So now I'm on my third book, right? So I'm pursuing it. I'm applying the things that I'm learning. Another thing that I was afraid of was like, you know, like meeting and talking to a big bunch of people. So I set another goal. I'm going to meet 10,000 people by 2030. So I can kind of impact their life in a positive way. So I'm taking on these challenges because I'm applying the things I've learned, right? Which is people are afraid to start things because the, the failure part of it is something that they don't want to experience. And I'm like, no, let's go do this. Let's go, go and go fail and, and succeed and fail and succeed because that's the beauty. That's the juicy part of life. And I want that juicy emotional part of life. I want to experience those things, those ups and downs and so forth and so on. I want to experience those things, but it only comes from doing and being. Yeah, totally. And it, I, what you're talking about there is pushing yourself out your comfort zone. And I love that you've taken all the things that you find challenging and you've, you've decided to just approach them head on and try and get good at those things, which is, you know, huge kudos to you because that does take uh, a lot of courage to do that. Mm. Um, and it's scary. And yeah, there are a lot of people, like you said, who don't like to get out of their comfort zone. And actually, as I, keep telling everybody and <laughs> in the work mm -hmm. I do, the growth is in the discomfort because it's just your ego trying to keep you safe so if you can push through that barrier and just go for it and like we said take the scary action well that's when you get the experience and yeah it might not always be exactly what you wanted but you're going to have a great story to tell at the end of it and you are going to be a lot wiser <laughs> 100% a great story to tell at the end of it that's a that's a beautiful part a great story to tell at the end of it I love that <laughs> Thank you. So I'm interesting to know, interested to know, like when you came over um, from Jamaica to America, what kind of attitude were you met with from the American citizens in general? Mm -hmm. Well, first thing I came over from Jamaica to America, I landed in a big ass Jamaican community. And so, so I was like, hold on, I left Jamaica to be back in Jamaica. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I need a, I need something different. I need to like, you know, sometimes because all the time people leave their country and they go back in a community that just they're they're physically in a different country, but mentally they're still in their home, their home country because the same people same mentally, same stuff. And I was like, I want something different. I want to experience something different. So when I joined the military, I was stationed in the southern part of the United States, like in North Carolina, if you're familiar with North Carolina or South Carolina, Miami, Florida, so forth and so on. It's only that location. And it was a it was a major shock for me, by the way. I'm gonna share this part because, like in Jamaica, there's classism, but there's not really like racism, right? And when I first got here, I was quite naive. I was like, oh, white people in Jamaica are just like me. They just hang out, do the same thing, right? That's how we grew up, you know. But when I got to the southern part of Jamaica, I mean America, and I was like, ooh, these guys. When I was in training, it was like Asher, 
this is happening down here. I'm like, nah, that's not it. Because I, I didn't grow up with that kind of stuff. Because in my country, um, like most of the leaders in my country, in government and so forth, that was like looking at people that look like me. So there was not that kind of back and forth a little bit. But then I got here, man. And it was a culture shock for me. It was a culture shock. And I was like, wow, the treatment that I've seen on how people judge you, look down at you and so forth and so on. I was like, oh my God, this is this this is true. So it kind of caused me like, I don't want to live in the South. And But I was back in early 2000 and stuff, but it, it's a little bit different now. But back then it was like, oh my God. So that thing kind of like forced me to want to leave the South and then I was going to get out of the military and move back in the North. But then a friend of mine said, hey, Asher, um, you shouldn't get out, you should stay in. You should go to Germany. And I was like, what? He was like, you should go to Europe. And that, when I went to Europe and I got to Germany, I was like, totally different, like, totally different experience. Oh, my God, I loved it. But it was awesome, my friend, awesome. But the American, the first introduction to when I got here was was mostly Jamaican. Then I met the American part side of it. and then But I met the real American side of it in the South. And then that was a very different kind of experience for me. Mm, why do you think it was so different? From the south to the north and from Germany. <laughs> uh yeah, it's like so in the south the the there was a lot of lot of racism. Like people was openly about it, like a lot more open. You can see it in their face, in their energy. And but when I got to Germany, like Germans love black, like the women love black guys. Though they're like, you know <laughs> so, <laughs> so so when I was there, me and my buddy was like, Oh my god, this is a whole little different treatment here. We love this place. Like I would live in Germany, it's an awesome place to live. Um, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly why they were like that. But they just really different kind of treatment compared to what I was experiencing in America, you know. So that was just the, the, the different part of it. Uh, how, <laughs> have you been to <laughs> Germany? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't get that treatment because I'm white, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I just, I, yeah, you taught me something new. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> oh no! Like it, it was, it was so crazy because um. Like a lot of the, lot of the military guys, it was like you gotta like if they're black, it was like you gotta go to Germany, man. Women love us over there. You gotta go over there. Oh my god! It was like you go out to the to the party clubs, like it's like a buffet line. It was like oh, they're just sitting there, all these beautiful ladies, and like oh, they're like oh, you just gotta go sit and talk to one of them. They are open to talk to you, whatever. Anyway, I had such a good time. Okay, I'm off beat, but go ahead. It sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, going back to like the way you were treated in America, yeah, I think it's I think it's really. It is really sad that there is still so much racism. I know there's like a huge problem over there compared to, I don't know, it is everywhere, but it's just more, I don't know, open over there. Like it's out, isn't it? And you people like aren't afraid to to show that side. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy to me. Like I still, I still don't understand it like at all. And, and the way I kind of look at racism, it's, I find it weird because it's like, it's like yeah okay there's history and everything but it's like just if you bring it down to the color of your skin like if you were born into this world you know like 10 20 30 years ago or 40 even like me um you know and it's like if i go on holiday and i get a tan i go quite dark what are you uh, am i then like you know different color is that the reason to put me down it's so ridiculous to me yeah. like, i just i cannot i cannot wrap my head around it i just don't understand it at all <laughs> blaming people yeah. for the for the past you know just because of the color of their skin it's crazy it is crazy oh my god it's crazy i don't i don't understand it either because you know i grew up in my my island there's classism there's statusism all those things right because people just like if you know certain status you want to stick to people in that same status so it makes sense sometimes because sometimes you go and people and they're just so ignorant like i don't want to be around these people right so that happens sometimes but then 
if you're looking at somebody and you treat them based on the, the the human treatment based on their skin color, oh my God, it's just like it's crazy. Like you don't even know me, right? You don't know what's what's inside of me, right? And and just to like, oh, just look down at you because of that, it's it's crazy. But I don't let that stop me though. I'm always just like moving and pushing. So yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, these are the views of, um, well, I think very narrow-minded people, actually. Um, because also, a lot of these people, I find, this is a bit of a sweeping generalization, but they haven't really been to very many other places, you know? Yes. And it's like, when you're in one place, you don't understand about a lot of things, actually. And traveling, for example, is amazing for that, because it really opens your eyes. I mean you know it, it doesn't this the color of your skin like it it shouldn't matter like we're all the same species and actually when i went to fiji oh my god like the people there were the kindest people i've ever met and they were all giants they were all built like brick shit houses as we say in the uk <laughs> like six foot five rugby playing surfer stacked guys gentle giants <laughs> And they all danced and wore grass skirts, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I they... would love I would love to stay on this conversation. Actually, keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> they they were so lovely, and um, yeah, just just the, I mean, they loved the English anyway because the English were like um, it, it was it was a British colony, um, and the English came over and and um, basically abolished cannibalism so that's why they love the English <laughs> but um but yeah they were just lovely to me and not just me but every 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 person from any country and I just never get over how they had nothing and they would literally give you everything they'll share their meal with you it, it was eye-opening like eye-opening and you said something amazing just now the travel piece because a time when I when I when I noticed those people that are always like so racist they don't. They haven't been anywhere except your little, um, little countryside, and I realize that when you travel, that's when you really understand. Like, oh my god, like, like the people. Like most time, most people are traveling to America, but a lot of Americans doesn't really travel out of America. A lot of them they're stuck in a little area, and they're like so so protective and so like ah. Uh, but when you go across the world, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Other people treat you a lot different, and you're like, wow, why am I why am I being this way when people come to my lo my local area? Because when I go to their local area, they treat me so nice. So why am I treat them this way when they come to my local area? And that was the thing that I think a lot of people need the experience of traveling. That's the biggest education platform in the world, I think, is to travel and see different culture, different places, integrate. Like, wow, why am I being so stuck up? Like, this is awesome. So Yeah, but the system in America is not really made to allow people to travel. Because I, I hear that American citizens have about two weeks of holiday if they're in, like, a normal corporate job. Yeah. It's like you know, it's the American plantation doesn't allow you to leave to go go, go have a vacation anywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that's a huge part of the problem. Yeah. Yes, that is so interesting. Yes, you're right. Not have enough time to 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 take a break. You just constantly slaving away, working on this corporate plantation, whatever you want to call it, just working, working, and no break. Then you won't be able to see and enjoy the rest of the world. So. The appreciation for things is not really there because you're constantly slaving away. Yeah, mm -hmm. and when you when you create so much separation and division, that's when you create fear because people don't understand. When you don't understand, it makes you feel afraid, um, mm -hmm. and people don't like the unknown. And so 
they're, 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 they can only identify with what they know. So when they're in such a small community like that and never leave, to me, it makes sense why some of them are that way. And it's a shame, really, because it's clearly circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> no, that was an interesting conversation, though, definitely about about the isms and the ignorances that we face when we don't really understand what the rest of the world is like. And we create the assumption around it based on the little bit of information that maybe your neighbors share with us that they haven't seen themselves. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. This is why we should all go traveling and we should all see as much of the world as possible. Um, yeah, you know, I'll admit, like, even for myself, I was really quite scared when I first went traveling, you know, and I, my big first travel was probably to Thailand, like completely different culture. And I was petrified and I was like, God, what are these people going to be like? And, you know, I'm not going to understand the language, but actually, yeah, it just really opened my eyes and made me realize how how lovely they are and how wonderful this variety is that we get in life and there's really nothing to be afraid of at the end of the day we we're all humans and we all want the same thing you know we want to feel understood we want to feel loved and yeah that's it True, true. so you also speak about how um immigrants and veterans suffer with an identity crisis So I know you said there's a lot there was a lot of Jamaicans when you first came over to America. Um but but why why is it that this happens do you think? Hmm. So I'm gonna start with language first for like immigrants. Like when you move to a new country, sometimes, oftentimes you have to struggle with learning that new language. And people often, you know, I would say this, you know, sometimes people think that intelligence is only tied to the English language. So when somebody shows up that speaks a different language but doesn't speak it as clearly as the person that speaks English, they look down at them like, oh, this guy's stupid. No, he's just, just, just not communicating your language as, as perfect as you. But that person is smart. So I suffer for, I had a lot of issues with that, you know, because... I mean, I learned English growing up, but we speak something else in Jamaica. So when I got here, I was like, well, I got to make sure that my English is all right now because now I'm speaking in a country that completely speaks English in Jamaica. We can go flip back and forth, but we normally speak just the Jamaican stuff. And I had a really tough time with my, like my insecurity was really on, on, on like, like on a high alert because people was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. What are you talking about? So I had to repeat myself a lot. But then when you get into a community where you're like, okay, what's your identity? Like, like, how do you fit in? Like, who do you fit in with? And you got to try to find a way to fit in. And that's the that's where the, the crisis of identity shows up. Where, how do you fit in? And like, who are you in that they're going to fit in this situation? And that's become the challenge. A lot of times people suffer from that. And even in the military, like the military kind of, like they kind of squeeze you into this box, right? Indoctrinate you, condition you, and you're serving that box in that community for a long time. But then when it's time for to leave that community, you've been conditioned for so long, now you got to get back into society. Now you have another crisis of identity. Because you're not like, who am I outside of the military now? Like, who am I in this new environment? And it's struggle. It's a hard way to fit back in because you don't know who you really are to fit back in. You're like, what person going to show up now? Because the person that was in that other military community will not fit in society that easy. Because the way we were regimented and conditioned, it makes it very hard for us to connect to other people. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't speak the same language. Because I'm telling you, like, when you listen to the military folks talk, it's a whole different language that we speak in that community. 
But then you come outside that community, the mindset is different, so forth and so on. So you got to figure out a way to fit in. And that becomes a, another challenge. So that's why I kind of like trying to find people kind of like who speak my language and who can I connect with and so forth and so on. So both immigrants and veterans, oftentimes we travel to new places because in the military, you travel to different lo locations overseas, so forth and so on. And then the immigrants do the same thing. They, look, they leave their home country, go to a new country. We're both travelers. We're both people that take on new environment, new situation. And then we got to figure out what kind of identity shows up there and how do we navigate that space. And it becomes very challenging. Mm, yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's really that that tribal mentality of wanting to fit in. And that is just this underlying primitive innate desire that we all have, we all want to fit in, we all want to be accepted by everybody else. And it seems like, yeah, we even want that on a temporary basis from what you say with the with the veterans and with their traveling that they do. I mean, I don't know how long, I suppose you can be stationed for quite a long time in certain countries, right? Uh, it's about th two to three years. Most station is like two to three years. Oh, okay. But it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so much, much longer than I, than I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know nothing about the army, so I can't really speak on it at all. But yeah, I can understand then if it's, if it's that long time, then yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yes, yeah, so you've got like, the one community and identity of being in the army and then the other one of you being uh from jamaica an immigrant and then you're in another country as well so yeah wow that's that's like lots of different identities that i can understand how that must have been quite confusing for you It, it was it was because first you gotta fit in before you can stand out because oftentimes you want to stand out but you can't stand out in a place that doesn't really like accept you like like for you to stand out in a community you gotta first fit in that community first then you can work on standing out being a little different and the hardest part is to get in to be accepted or to get in to feel like you're part of that team And then once you're on a team, you can stand out based on your unique ability. And it was very challenging. Like a lot of us like go there and then we got to figure a way to blend in. And sometimes people reject you. And rejection is not not an easy emotional process. It's it's very yeah. difficult. And sometimes people get a couple of rejection and they kind of isolate themselves and it becomes even harder. So, and a lot of military folks, they get out and they're trying to fit back in, right? And they don't fit in and they get a lot of rejection and they kind of like isolate themselves, which is not like, so all of those things kind of play into into this process of the, the crisis of identity. Yeah, that's so, it's so difficult, isn't it? Um, I can't even imagine. All I can think is, it's, yeah, because even thinking about my experience of when I, when I live in Costa Rica, actually the community is quite Western that I live in, to be totally honest. You know, there's a lot of Americans over there um, and it's like, what they call it, like the Nosara bubble. Um, and so, yeah, you don't really even need to speak Spanish over there necessarily. And a lot of um, the Costa Ricans do speak English now because there's so many tourists there. Um, yeah, I don't know, that's slightly different. But I was thinking like, what would happen if you if you just didn't try to fit in and you were just yourself? Like, did you ever try doing that? Were you just like, you know what, I'm just gonna be me and to hell with it all. I don't care about like trying to fit in or did you never really feel like that? Um, that is a that is that is a way, but it's a very difficult way because in the end we all need community. Like if you don't have the resources, either that financial, physical, whatever, right? If you don't have the resources, then you can't really build anything. You need community, so you have to find a way to fit in before you can stand out. And 
I've tried that, but then it's like if you're just an individual, then in a in a system where it's like like I was in the military, it's built on teamwork, right? So you have to really find a way to connect with people that are like the same value as you, even though we got the organization value, but still like the same identity in a certain place. Like they came from the same place. So I used to find like my Jamaican community or my 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 Caribbean community, we used to hang out together. But still, you still want to experience something different other than what you grew up in. That's the reason why I left I left my home, my home place or my community here to go see the world because I want to experience something different. Like completely different. I want that experience. But you gotta figure out how do you fit into that place before you can stand out. And that part, I, had, I worked on very hard. I had to be very charming to kind of figure it out. But it worked. I, I figured it out. But, you know, I needed that part of it. Yeah, that's great. And I'm really happy that you did. And for, for people that are listening that maybe are thinking of moving countries or immigrating, um, you know, what would you say to those people? What's some good advice you would give them about trying to fit in with the community? Ooh, good question. Hmm. It, it's... uh. Hmm. I would I would tell them to to endure the judgment, to endure the rejection, to to endure the the misunderstood being misunderstood because it's not forever. It's it's only temporary until you actually figure out those people you're with because you're, you're gonna go there and those things gonna happen. I mean, people gonna take advantage of you. They're gonna use and abuse you. Right. You just got to be strong enough to know when that's happening and figure out what's my long goal. What's the long game I'm playing? Because I always think about the long game like in the end, this is where I'm trying to get to. And I got to get through all of these people for me to get to the thing I want. And regardless of how they treat me, it's not the way I'm going to treat myself. So I understand what they're, what they're sharing with me, what they're doing. But it's temporary because I'm going to get in a position where it's no longer I would no longer tolerate that. Because oftentimes you can resist, you can fight back, but you're not in a position to win. And sometimes you got to sit there and take certain things to, to build up the resource to be in a position to win. And I had to like sit there and think about it. Like, okay, all right, this guy is talking, talking, she's talking hard. If I go and fight now, I don't have a team to win. I need a team. So let me sit back and just brace myself for some of this stuff and build my team so I can win, build my group of people that can help me win. Because in the end, you, you, you're going to need a team. Like the way to win in this, in this life is a team. Like people think they win by themselves. You're gonna lose by yourself because somebody got a bigger team and they're gonna win. I learned this in the military. The best, the biggest and most organized team wins. The biggest and most organized family wins. If you're not organized, you're not gonna win. So now you gotta endure some of those stuff until you build your own team, your own family, your own community, and from there you can set yourself on course to win. Mm, I love that. I think that's really great advice. And it makes me think about like the world, like you just said there, you know, coming together, you're stronger being together. You know, if we could have team world rather than team country, team division, I think it would be much, much, much different, wouldn't it? <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to share this story because I was actually having my conversation with my dad a few days ago. And we was talking about, my dad was a farmer growing up. And one thing he used to do, they used to, they used to call, they call it day for day. It's like on the farm, like called day for day. That means today I will work on your farm, Right. It's kind of like like uh, labor, like it's like sharing labor. Like um, so, I'll come to I'll come to your farm and I work. Tomorrow you come to my farm and work. Next day you go to the other person's farm and they work. And you do do that throughout the week, and everybody's kind of exchange that that labor, and we get a lot done. So he was telling me the story about how they used to plant, and you know, on the day when the person comes to the, his farm, you know, they would have a lot of work to do, and everybody come together and work, and the person that that hosts them kind of cook the food, so forth and so on, whatever, right? Just kind of make sure you feed the person that shows up to your farm. And everybody putting all their effort into it. 
right? I'll give you my best when I come to your farm because when you come to my farm, you're going to give me your best. And that teamwork stuff, I saw that when I was growing up. I was like, man, I love this. So when I joined the military, same kind of same kind of mind frame I take on. Teamwork, exchange labor, let's work together because we can get a lot more done because if I'm working with you, I'm motivated because you're hyped and motivated. You kind of push me to do more and I see you knocking out so much. I'm like, oh, I'm going to knock out so much. So together we kind of like push stuff forward. So they get a lot done doing that, that day for day exchange on the on the farm. And I was like, man, that's the same thing we need to take on in life. With a good team, you're gonna get a lot more done. If you're trying to do it by yourself, you can get it done, but it's gonna take you longer and a lot more, a lot more stress. Yeah, absolutely. And it also increases your health and happiness as well. And this is actually one of the fundamental pieces to well-being that I've uh, discovered in my own research, that actually community, it not only strengthens you and, and uplifts you and makes you feel happier and actually healthier, but you actually extend your lifespan by doing mm-hmm. that. It's incredible. And it can be something as simple as having a dinner with your family every night, you know, or going... Yeah or making the effort to spend time with friends and meeting up with them on a regular basis. It's about in integrating and implementing that community vibe every single day. And this is what you see actually in all the blue zones of the country, of the world, sorry. And, mm-hmm. you know, Masara, where I live in Costa Rica, that is a blue zone. And there's mm-hmm. so much community there. There's so much coming together. No one's ever alone there. It's really quite interesting. <laughs> wow. And like my, my, my lifetime goal is to build a strong community because I realize how powerful it is. And sometimes when you see people that are struggling, it's because they don't have a community. They don't have a team. They don't have a team. And it takes a lot because sometimes you got to give up certain part of yourself in a way to kind of like, like connect with the team. And then once you connect, then you can like be yourself in the team because no people understand you. But to fit in, you got you to gotta shuffle, shuffle stuff around to fit in. And then once you fit in, then you can expand. Like, okay, no, I mean, let me expand the team. So I realized how important that is. And it's like my number one thing is to like build a really, really good, strong team because people need community. People need strong community. And as much as you can do by yourself, you're not going to get that far. You're going to like, why am I doing this? Because nobody is benefiting from it. Just you. And yeah. at some point, you can only eat so much. Like, but when you feed somebody else, it makes it it feels a lot different than just feeding yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Serving and coming from a place of um an a place of service is really, really important. And also just thinking about my own experience of spending so much time this past six months on my own. I didn't have any community around me. And as a result, my mental health suffered greatly because of that. I have my online community, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being with people in the flesh face to face. And it's it's so important. It's so important. So it's really taught me that lesson now. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's very uh, vulnerable. That's that vulnerability piece of you that I like when I listen to your podcast. I'm like, this lady is just true. (laughs) You know, it's something I I learned about listening to you too on your podcast because I find the raw emotion like something that I, I really look for now because I lived in my head for so long. No, I'm trying to live in my heart. And and I and I kind of take it back to this one phrase I'm going to share before I finish the story. But they're saying the longest journey a man has to travel is 14 inches from his head to his heart. And I was, I was so, like, the journey felt so long and so far away because I was living in my head because I was in the military and doing organization. But the being piece, I wasn't part of it, like being in my heart space. 
and I was listening to your podcast, and you were sharing the stuff about like the raw stuff that you process every different day and so forth, so the ups and downs you have. And I was like, you, you, I don't think you, you understand how far you have traveled. Mm. Like, and I'm gonna explain it for you because I was looking at this, this, this uh, diagram was saying that um, they kind of have two balls, and one like runs down ups and down like a little mountain up and down, and then one that runs on a flat plane. And they let they release both balls together, and the one that runs up and down, up and down like the mountain range, it goes further, it's faster and further than the one that does travel on a flat plane. And it was saying that life in its ups and downs, it takes you further than when you just go on a flat plane. So people that want just the flat thing that there's there's no scariness in it, right? Mm, doesn't go that far. The one that goes up and down. So you on your journey, the up and down journey that you've been that you share about emotion, like like terrain that you travel. You have gotten so far because you have the capacity to, to kind of attract so much different people in your space because they can connect to that rawness that a lot of people flatlined and they have made it that far, but you have embraced it and you've made it a lot far emotionally. Like your emotional, like your emotional journey is, is, is like really longer than other people. So I really connect with that part of you when I'm listening. I'm like, man, she just shared it raw, which I love. So I just want to let you know that. Oh, thank you so much. And I love that analogy about the ball rolling up and down. That's that's amazing. And uh, it's quite comforting to hear that as well. I mean, yeah, I guess with me, my my superpower is my vulnerability and my hypersensitivity. And mm -hmm. yeah, you know, some people will see that as a weakness, but in my experience, it's definitely not. And I've always been a truth seeker and I always like to peel back the layers of, of bullshit basically. And I like to cut to the truth. I like to say it how it is. I don't like to sugarcoat it um, because actually when you can reach those depths, that's when you can really grow and go so much further. And so I try to be very transparent. So thank you so much for recognizing that. And yeah, that's gratefully received. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's switch gears a bit here. So mm -hmm. in our conversations for everyone listening leading up to the interview today, um, uh, Asher and I spoke a little bit about spirituality. And so I'm really intrigued to learn more about your views on that, Asher. And I know that spirituality comes into the work that you do. So I'm curious to understand like the impact spirituality has had on your life and how you've found it to improve the lives of your clients. Mm. I'll start by saying this. Culture informs your life. Spirituality guides it. So I take spirituality in a different way now because growing up and I grew up in a church, I didn't really didn't really like it. Like, I always find a way to run away from it. I always run away from it. But I could never run off of spirituality because spirituality in its literal terms means just breath, breathing. Like, without life in the body, there's no spirit. Like, like, like the breath is a spirit for me, right? So now I think about my spirituality this way. And I kind of summarize all of it in this one this one acronym called GUS, God Universe Source. Right? Some people use God, some people use universe, some people use source. But I kind of tie it into that because I realize that when I'm in my spiritual space, I am way more creative, like way more creative. The, the time in my life when I was running from my spirituality because I saw it as a church thing, not just a spiritual thing that like a journey me on, I was just all over the place. But once I stopped, like, hold on, put away the church thing. 
Like, what am I, like, what am I, my source of creation, where is it coming from? What, that part of me, that, like, the, the, the better half of me, what is, what, what about that piece? Am I listening to it? Because it's giving me a lot of good things to think about, to work on, but I'm not listening because I'm running, you know? And once I stop that, I realize that everybody needs this because in the end, you have to connect to your better half because that other part of you has all the information, that's all, have all the, the, the things to create from the source, then you start like, okay, no, life becomes a lot easier because I'm creating, I'm connected to the source, therefore I can create better. And my creativity is the reason why I start listening to my spirituality. Mm, that's so interesting. So in what ways were were you most creative, would you say? Ah, there goes know my purpose in life, which is to collect stories and circulate life-changing wisdom. So what so writing, writing right now, like processing ideas. So I realized that my brain processed information way faster than other people's brain. Because I got what I call the symptom of AD dyslexia. I got a very creative brain. Like I process information, a lot of information, I process it very fast. And I didn't understand what I was what I was having, the gift I had until I start writing. I start taking a taking a break and writing on what was in my mind, what was what was in my, my energy field. And I write it out and I start putting focus on that thing specifically. Like, okay, I'm having these thoughts. Let me write on these thoughts. Let me pick a thought I want to pursue. I want to think further on the road on this one thought. And once I start doing that, then I start creating what I call the three vocabulary that is more effective, which is thinking, speaking, and, and writing. Those, I combine those vocabularies for myself. And now my, my thinking vocabulary is awesome. My speaking vocabulary is awesome. My writing vocabulary is awesome. Because I've been working on those. I've been extracting my thoughts, my feelings, so forth, put them down, and I think about them specifically. And that has changed my life. So now the work I'm doing, I can sit with somebody and have a conversation now. I can listen to their, their, their problems or their, their obstacles, so forth. And I can see the solution. But I've always seen a lot of solution easy, but I couldn't explain it. Because I was thinking complicated and I was also speaking complicated. But now I can speak with less complication and know people like, oh, I get what you're saying, no Asher. Because I'm seeing solution, I can explain the solution I'm seeing. And life becomes a lot more easy. So I'm more creative now with my thinking, my speaking and, and my writing. Mm, so it sounds like it's given you a lot of foresight and insight mm -mm. and hindsight and plain sight yeah <laughs> <laughs> all of the sights <laughs> all of the sights all of the sights it's helped you to see <laughs> yeah it's um that's amazing yeah i think i don't really understand the the connection myself but you know we say where does creativity come from and i know elizabeth gilbert talks about this in her book big magic and it is almost like it well it's a gift she says it's 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 like a, a cosmic gift i don't know if she quite phrases it that way but you know it comes to you from from above from somewhere outside of yourself um and yeah it's it's this wisdom that you just you just can't understand where it's come from and it is really interesting isn't it when you start to <clears throat> properly like take one thing and really explore it and go as deep as you can with it because I found that myself as well like I sometimes write and I won't go into any more than that right now but when I'm writing <laughs> when I'm writing I um I don't know just this knowledge comes to me and I'm like where is this coming from and you know my listeners will know this I wasn't going to go on the woo woo here but 
I've been told I'm a channel and and that is basically what you're doing when that creativity comes through especially in writing things like that where it's very expressive and very detailed yeah you're just like channeling this information and it's it feels incredible actually it's a really beautiful thing Mm. I'll tell you where it comes from it comes from one place I don't know and that's a place I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna explain that people like what do you mean Asher so here is when you're in a space where like the the, the only thing you can say I don't know you gotta get to the place of I don't know once you get to that place of I don't know is when you start to create because if you're not in a space of I don't know you don't want to recycling things so you, you recycle things that you already know over and over. But when you don't know, your only option is to create. So I put myself in a situation where I don't know. Like, what is the answer? I don't know. I'm only left with one option, to create it. And that's when I tap into my spirituality, my other, my better half, so I call it. Is That's when I get there, I'm like, oh, no, I get to create something because there's no answer. The answer is going to have to come from me. So now I get to create the answer. I get to create the solution. I get to create this thing. So I love getting to a place where I'm like, I don't know. Like, what? Like, I don't know. So now I have only option is to create. So when you're in that space, it's, it's beautiful, man. But a lot of people fear that space, the I don't know space. So then they recycle. It becomes just a, a recycle of other people's information, so forth and so on. But what? get to a place where you can create something of your own. Yeah, I get to a place of I don't know. If that make any sense to you. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's beautiful. And there's so much truth in that. It's also, again, the unknown that we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. all there's, there's so much like, if people have the courage to go there, there's so mm-hmm. much waiting on the other side of that. And this is what I discovered when I started tapping into, um, into my intuition, into myself, into things I didn't really understand and, you know, quantum physics and all of that and Joe Dispenser meditations, you know, that's what triggered my spiritual awakening. And yeah, you know, you go beyond what you knew was available. It's incredible. You never know where it's going to take you. Mm, you said something, the unknown. If it's unknown, that means it's a free space to create something. If you're in the known, that means it's already been created. So now go to the unknown and you have the freedom to create. Because now you get to create something for somebody to know or for you to know. So I love this creative space. Like, go tap into something that has never been done so you can create it. Because we are meant to be creators. And that's all we're doing is expanding this universe by creating more un- like creating more universe. Like the, 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 the big universe and my local universe. I get to create my local universe. And in that space that I don't know, that's when I get to create something new, something different. And I love that space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we are a part of the universe. So we are a part of this creation and it is said we are co-creators. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. we do we do have that ability within us for sure. <laughs> Perfect. Well, like me, Asha, you've read mm. a lot of books and interviewed a lot of guests on your podcast and therefore collected many stories, as you say. And I'm interested to know what piece of life-changing wisdom stands out to you the most? Hmm. That is an interesting question. What piece of life-changing wisdom stand out the most? Is that from my life, other people's life? We got to hone in on something here because it's a very, very broad question. From the books I've read? Well, just what, what, like... Uh, it could be anything really. Mm. 
I'm a per- I like quotes because I think within quotes are trapped massive amount of wisdom, and they're gonna take wisdom to unpack some of those quotes. And I look for when I listen to people that are like distant mentors or people that I'm reading their books or people that are just I'm sitting here listening to their story. I'm like, wow, I love the way you say that. And I'm gonna share these two quotes that that stuck with me in everything I do. Most likely is by Dan Sullivan. He's like one of these guys. I haven't met him in person, but I hope for I can meet him one day. One of his first quotes says that the problem is not the problem, but you're thinking about the problem makes it a problem. And when I hear that quote, I always think about every time I meet a situation that's very difficult, very challenging. I'm like, well, this situation that's challenging because somebody finds this situation easy. How did they do that? Oh, is my thinking about this challenge to make it challenging? How can I think like this person that saw the ease in it? How did they think about it to make it easy for them? I got to find that similar thinking so I can think about it the same way. So now when I'm seeing a problem that I think is a problem, I'm like, no, it's my thinking that makes it a problem. I got to find a way to change my thinking. And that is some life-changing wisdom for myself. And then the other one that he says that I really resonate with, it was like, your eyes only see and your ears only hear what your brain is looking for. And I was like, wait a minute. So now when I'm, I remember being in the military when I was deployed and I came back, I was, because when I was deployed, I was looking for danger everywhere. And when I came back home, all I saw was danger everywhere because my eyes only see and my ears only hear what my brain is looking for. My brain was looking for danger and he was finding it everywhere. And I tell myself, oh, actually, you got to stop this. You got to stop looking for danger in the world. The world is beautiful. Look for beauty in it. So I started looking for beauty in the world again and I, was, and I started seeing it little by little. I stopped being paranoid and stopped being anxious and stopped being, you know, crazy about what's going to happen to me. Here. You know what I'm saying? And I started doing that, switching my brain over to, hey, look for beauty in the world. Look for awesomeness in the world. Look for safety in the world. And I start looking for those and my brain starts finding those. I find people that create that kind of feeling for me. So now my eyes only see and my ears only hear what my brain is looking for. So now I'm looking for all those beautiful things. So those would I will leave those with those life-changing quotes or those that kind of packed in those 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 language for people to think about their life. Because everything exists, it's a matter of what you want to see, what you want to experience. And I'm here to experience awesomeness. You know, at, on this going of my life cycle, I'm, I'm here to experience awesomeness. So I'm looking for that in the world because that's what I'm, that's the experience I want to collect and take with me. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's they're such powerful quotes. Thank you so much for sharing them. But it is true. It's like where focus goes, energy flows. You know, that's something Tony Robbins says. Um, but literally what whatever you're giving energy to, whatever you're thinking is what you're going to then see more of. And... That's the thing we're just we're we're so conditioned sometimes we don't even realize like this is happening this is why changing your thoughts is incredibly powerful and rewiring them in a positive way which is what i do with my clients it's Mm -hmm. such powerful work because you start to see things through a whole new lens and you gain a whole new uh, perspective and as you said life is going to happen anyway it's up to you to choose how to respond to it and your attitude towards it. Um, mm. And you can you can change your thoughts. So yeah, I'm really, really grateful for you for sharing that. At your service, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you have the best responses. <laughs> okay, well, everybody listening, 
that brings us to the end of part one of this conversation. So Asher is now going to interview me over on his show, Pandora's Awareness Podcast. And you can listen to that over on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So Asher, any final words before I hog the mic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a pleasure, my friend, uh, syncing up brain with you and energy with you because you have a beautiful spirit. And I think your audience love you because of that. And I also love listening to your voice. I think you have a very powerful voice, a voice that really like penetrates people, biases and so forth and so on. So I continue doing what you're doing. And um, let's go have this conversation on the other side about every situation is an advantage. It's a matter of timing. So. Yeah, every angle has an advantage, just a matter of timing. timing. So we're going to talk about that side of the conversation. Because we just, I think we just tapped into it a lot, not just now, about seeing the advantage in every, in, from every angle. And just a matter of finding the timing to see those advantages. So we're going to have a conversation about that. Thank yes, you so that, much. You're welcome. Um, and thank you so much for sharing all your beautiful wisdom with me and everybody listening today. And I hope I can provide the same value to your listeners. So we'll say ciao for now, everyone, and we'll see you over on Ash's show really soon. Yeah.